Hi, welcome to The Lawcast. My name is Melanie Thorley and I'm the director at MJT Law. Today we're going to go over more law stuff because there's been quite a lot of changes uh, in, in law, as you, in the employment law space, as you know, because I've been telling you about them. But now we finally have what the Labor government has been calling uh, the closing the loopholes bill, and in fact, they've just put they've just put the bill on the table. Um, it was done a few days ago, and the and it's called closing the loophole bills. Work sorry, Fair Work Legislation Amendment closing loopholes bill 2023. Now, it's doing a lot of things. Uh, it's changing casual employment, it's adding information to gig workers as we know, it's got some things about labour hire arrangements, we've got some interesting things about unfair contractual terms, so I'm just going to go through them really quickly so you can kind of get a feel uh, and pop your hand up if you, you know, have any questions. So the first one is this definition of casual employment. Those of you who have been watching the Lawcast for some time know that we've had some massive changes in casual employment. Now, I don't think people's actual working conditions has actually ever changed over the years, but this definition of casual employment has been bounced around for about four years now, and it's gone from A to this, to that, to this, and now we're going to have a new one. And <laughs> so we only just got one, and now we're going to have a new one. So apparently there's going to be a new objective. Well, the bill says, remember bills aren't legislation yet until they're passed, um, and assented to. Uh, it's the objective test to a meaning of casual employee based on the terms of the contract and the real substance, practical reality, and true nature of the employment relationship. Okay, so we're back to what we had before we had the change in the legislation about definition of a casual employment. So casual employment before used to be basically no firm advance commitment, essentially. And then we had a bunch of stuff happen and it was changed to what was if your contract says you're a casual you're a casual that's it and obviously that made things a lot simpler and now it looks like we're going the firm advance commitment and the expectation of continuing employment was never legislated there was never a definition of casual employment casual employee in the fair work act now the coalition government inserted one and they inserted one that said, if your contract says you're a casual, then you're a casual. Unless there's something else that we need to think about, you're a casual. Now, the Labor government is going to change that and make it more about firm advance commitment. I guess watch this space. How that's going to affect everyone? Hmm hasn't affected really anyone so far. I'd be interested to see how that does. What might affect people is this new change to casual conversion. Now, quite a few years ago, there was a lot of rumblings about casual employees working essentially permanent time frame, to permanent hours for very long time, whether at part-time or full-time, and whether or not that employee really ought to be a permanent employee. 
Now we had drafted into the Fair Work Act, at, sorry, had drafted into the awards that an employee may ask for a casual conversion to a permanent employee if they want, and there was a bunch of things that needed to happen. Then we had it legislated into the Fair Work Act under one of the national employment standards that there was a casual conversion um, kind of requirement. And now we're going to get further changes where the casual employees will be able to request full-time or part-time work and the casuals will be able to exercise its right when they want to become a permanent employee that they're no longer a casual employee at the time of making their request. I really don't know what it's going to do. I'd like to see how that how, I'd like to see more about this and I'd also like to see how it works out because what it looks like now is that if an employee feels like they're a permanent, they're working a permanent roster, they should be allowed to say to their employer, employer I'm now a permanent person. But the reality of that's very different. You need to get your employer on board. So I'd be really interested to see how that's going to work in reality. We're actually going to have a new definition of employee and employer. This hasn't changed for some time. So in 2009, we had the Fair Work Act and they put a definition of employee employer into that. And it hasn't changed since. But now it's going to be assessed by the totality of the relationship between the parties. Now, the employment relationship would be assessed beyond contractual rights and obligations of the parties. Um, and it's gonna be a multi-factor assessment. So more complicated, people. I think what it's going to do is it's going to look deeper into what a contractor actually is. So I'll be interested to see. So those independent contractors, we have plenty of them here in Australia. So I'll be interested to see how that plays out. Um, I didn't think the old definition was wrong. Maybe I'm archaic. It's hard to say I'm old, but I'm not that archaic. Okay, so we've got minimum conditions for gig workers. So gig workers need to have a definition, which is kind of interesting. And it's going to be employee-like workers performing digital, performing digital platform, workers performing on a digital platform that would benefit from a new unfair deactivation jurisdiction, which provide protections from being unfairly deactivated from a digital platform. So these are Uber, Uber, Uber people, all those kind of dodos, all those people. Um, establishment of minimum working dependence for independent contractors who are either employee-like workers work, working on a digital platform or engaged in the road transport industry, such as rideshare, food delivery drivers, etc. Look, why? I actually think the gig economy is doing its thing. Maybe I'm wrong. Look, I know that at first the, this, this gig economy was about people trying to pick up an extra dollar while they were working somewhere else in their spare time. And that worked really nicely. And then it was unindated by people who that's their only job. And that flooded the market and became problematic. And now we've got a flooded market. I think the Labor government's just trying to equalize this. I just don't think it's necessary, but maybe I'm wrong. 
Another one is labor hire arrangements. So in relation to businesses that pay employees under an enterprise bargaining agreement, labor hire workers will be required to be paid the same as workers who are employed under the EBA. This aims to protect labor hire workers. So what happens here in Australia, and I've mentioned this before, is that we have companies out there who hire labor hire workers, sorry, hire workers for the purposes of hiring out that worker to somebody else to perform a task. And there are companies out there who will hire five, six hundred thousand of these workers and pump them off onto piles of people. It's cheaper for the host employer because they don't have to pay as much and they're not taking on a lot of the risks and they're not doing payroll, etc. Um, what's detrimental for the employee is if that worker was working directly from that host company, the chances are they would have been paid more. So in fact, it's cheaper for that employer to hire a labor hire worker to do these this jobs. And I think this is part of that closing the loop thing. The Labor government have been trying to attack labor hire workers for some time. And in fact, the coalition were trying to do that too. So we'd be I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to see how this plays out because I'm not necessarily... Um, disagreeable to this new legislation. I just like to see how it's going to, you know, actually be drafted and, and gets assented to. Right, we're going to have a bill that proposes to establish a new protected attribute to provide protection against discrimination for employees who have been or continued to be subjected to family domestic violence. Right. So what, a new discriminating attribute, I assume? So a discriminating attribute under the Anti-Discrimination Act includes things like race, sex, pregnancy, marital status, so on and so forth. It looks like now they want to add another one, which is domestic violence. I'd be fascinated to see how the definition goes. I'd be interested to see how someone is treated differently because they're a victim of domestic violence. Again, this is just the bill, people. I'm just laying it all out. There's a few more, just a couple more. So the first one, next, the last, second to last one is a new criminal offence about wage theft. Not like we don't already have criminal offences in relation to wage theft. I am not the sort of lawyer that likes extra laws. I like the laws that we have. Let's enforce them. Let's enforce them properly. Well, let's not add to the laws. What's the point of that? Again, we've got another one, which is adding to the laws. I really, really don't like this one. This is where unions and workplace delegates are going to have the right to inspect employee wage records who are not actually um, union members. So in this case, what they're giving the unions power to do, when I say they, I mean the Labour government, is they're given to give the unions the power to go into a company and see if there's any underpayments happening. Now, by doing that, they're not only going to be looking at their subscribers' underpayments, but they're going to be looking at everyone's underpayments. And the question here is, what is the union doing, poking their noses into the private affairs of individuals who are not union sus subscribers? And I'm interested to see how this feeds in because a little while ago the Labor government and the union were talking about asking non-union subscribers to pay, a to pay a fee for the benefit of the union bargaining on their behalf at a workplace.
Now let's set aside the fact that these people aren't union subscribers and not interested in having the union there. Um, the bargaining may or may not benefit them. We don't know that from an individual basis. Um, and then because, just merely because they are, they've got a table and they've got a seat at the table, they're entitled to extra money. I've got a real problem with that. And again, I've got, an, I've got a real problem with these delegates and unions going in and accessing records of non-union subscribers. Um, I really don't see how that's, that's actually any business of the unions. But again, I'm, you know, I'm looking at this from a set of lenses. Right, so again, I'm just gonna zip through them. So we've got this definition of casual employment. We've got changes to casual conversion. We have this definition, new definition of employment. Interested to see how that plays out. Minimum conditions for good workers. We've got new labor hire arrangements. We've got unfair con contract terms or sham contracts. Sorry, I didn't mention this one. This is where, at the moment, the Fair Work Act prohibits an employee from misrepresenting employment as a independent contracting arrangement. The bill is proposing to change the defense to sham contracting from a test of recklessness to reasonable belief. Okay, again, anyway. Um, general uh, protections against discrimination, uh, a new criminal offense for wage theft, and rights for unions and workplace delegates to access non-union rec employee records. Don't like it. Thank you very much for watching the Lawcast, people. That was a little bit more than I wanted to talk about today, but have a lovely fortnight and I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thanks for watching the Lawcast.